This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the official podcast of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly. Greetings to you on this Thursday from Studio B at the headquarters of the Saints and Pelicans, where uh, today the Pelicans are practicing and then preparing to leave for Houston. The start of a three-game road trip that uh, very well could determine whether or not the conversation about the playoffs continues uh, into next week. I, I think that the playoff competition continues absolutely if New Orleans wins at Denver on Sunday. I think the conversation is shaky if that's the only one of the three games that they win. If they win two of the three, including the game against Denver on Sunday, the conversation's on fire <laughs> next week when the Pelicans come home to play uh, specifically on Wednesday at home. And then I think uh, they play on Friday at home, Wednesday and Friday next week. And, uh, and kind of it's the last homestand, if you can believe that, because the last four games of the year will be on the road. So uh, with that being said, we're going to talk NBA today with Ben Golliver from Sports Illustrated and SI.com. We're bringing him back. He's he's a really good one. I, I enjoyed our first conversation together very much. Today we'll talk about, obviously, the race for eight in the West. Um, I'll ask him about certainly what's going on with the Pelicans as they've won five of their last six. But I, I'm going to definitely ask Ben, uh, for help on my MVP vote. Uh, I am so confused right now, or I guess confused isn't the right word. I am so torn right now between James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Look, LeBron James, there you go. I get it. But right now, I think the two front runners in the MVP race in the MVP are in the NBA, Westbrook and Harden. And I'm totally torn. And so I'll ask Ben for his help on that today. I think I know how I'd vote today, but then I think I'd I'd, I'd be waffling after I made the vote. And who knows? I, I'm I'm stuck. I'll be curious to see what he has to say. Maybe he'll get me to lean more one way than the other. Uh, football wise, free agency continues to kind of churn on here a little bit, uh, but we're kind of also as we continue this week to do, we're introducing you to some of the newest Saints. And today will be my first ever visit with Manti Teo, new linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. He's on Black and Blue Report today. Could be a great conversation. Notre Dame guy. He's been in the league already. He's coming from San Diego. Uh, he joins the black and gold. He joins the linebacking core that's seeing um, a lot of change here, I think, in this offseason. So uh, we'll talk to him about that. Should be a good visit as well. So two great conversations for you. Before we wrap up, we'll uh, give you a reminder about tonight's Alvin Gentry show with Daniel Salerson. And uh, we'll also preview tomorrow's Black and Blue Report, which has – I think more black and gold talk with regard to free agency. Probably a familiar face, though, and name and sound and everything else. Uh, but I'll tell you about that before we get out of here. Let's take our first break. When we come back, Manti Teo, newest, one of the newest the New Orleans Saints, with us in a moment. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. 
and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. All right, still to come here on the Black and Blue Report this Thursday, Ben Gulliver from SI.com and Sports Illustrated will talk Pelicans and NBA. First up, though, as we promised you, one of our newest members of the Black and Gold, another Saints linebacker in the fold, Manti Teo, kind enough to join us here, I'm assuming, from the West Coast. Is that right, Manti? Yeah, I'm still on the West Coast right now. Well, good. I'm glad you got up early with us. I appreciate that very much. Congratulations, by the way, on your new agent contract. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. If we were if we were meeting in person today, would we be shaking hands or would this be a fist bump here to start things off? Uh, shake shake hands. Okay. Yeah, I just you know, never... we'll keep it professional, and then uh, probably at the end of the interview, it'll probably be a, a fist bump. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you come to the New Orleans Saints, why, man? Ty, what what allowed you, or or I guess got you to the place where you said, "Yeah, I want to go to New Orleans." Um, you know, they, the the coaching staff. You know, I think the coaching staff. Uh, I met uh, mostly everybody, and when I went over there for my trip, um, everybody was just nice, and um, you know, the city they love their team, and I'm I'm real I'm real close with uh, not real close, but um, how Oli, um, he's from my hometown, so I, I know of him. And so, you know, he told me about the locker room, and he told me about how close guys are and it's how it's a family feel. And I definitely felt that when I was on my trip. And I'm just very, very appreciative and very grateful that um, the New Orleans Saints um, gave me another opportunity to to perfect my craft and to be the best football player I can be. I'm so glad you brought up Haoli because there's going to be quite a Polynesian influence in this locker room, isn't there? There's quite a few uh, folks who know yeah. about the Pacific uh, <laughs> side of the uh, the map for us. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be myself, Haoli. Um, Larry has some some Polynesian ties. Uh, Max, obviously, he's a veteran guy who grew up watching. Um, so um, yeah, they're, they're, at least uh, those are the guys that I know of so far. I'm sure when I when I go there, I'll meet 
I'll meet more of them. Oh, I, I would imagine. Uh, and the and the tattoo game is strong amongst that group as well. <laughs> the tattoo game is definitely strong. Are, are, do you have anything, any art that, that, that traces back to your, your home? Oh, yeah. I, I, I've had a sleeve on um, um, since my sophomore year in college. So I, I've had I've had my, my tattoo on me for some time now. Yes, indeed. Speaking of college, your Notre Dame career was outstanding. Uh, do you miss the college scene? You know, I, I, I do miss, I mean, everybody missed certain parts of college. I, I think I just missed that. The atmosphere um, of playing college ball, you know, having the band and, um, and just just that that fun atmosphere, and uh, you know, it's something that I'm looking forward to. I'm trying to replicate there in New Orleans, and when I was there, like I said, I mean, everybody was excited. Um, I saw that big stadium. I, I've never seen the Superdome before. I've only seen it on TV, so um, it was it was quite a scene for me yeah no doubt i think maybe you'll find that the saints might have the closest feel to that that saturday and college football atmosphere that yeah. that you enjoyed in south bend indiana uh man tell yeah, me that's what i've heard yeah no, there's no doubt about that and i think that has to do with being down here in sec country and and whatnot too so let me ask you this question i don't know if you've ever been asked this before if i would ask you about your first four years in the nfl man what would you say is is the highest you felt, or and even at the at the same time, the lowest. What has been the hardest to deal with as well? Uh, you know, actually, the highest I felt and the lowest happened the same day. Um, the highest I felt was the Indianapolis Colts game. Um, that was I, I kept telling everybody that um, that was the best I've ever felt in walking into it, walking into the game. So um, I, was, I felt confident. Um, that was the most confident I think I felt um, since I've entered in into the NFL, and uh, now I was ready to roll. And I think I, I got I got into the game off of the good start. I think I had a handful of tackles um, in the first quarter and a half, and then the lowest part was when I got when I when I hurt my Achilles. So um, yeah, I, I'd say it'd have to be that one game. So. It's, it's been a learning experience throughout my four years. It's, there's been highs and lows, but I think I can identify the high and the low um, in, in that one game. Wow. And you're healthy now. That's what I hear, and that's good news? Yep. yep everything. It's, it's been taking some time, but you know, it's, I've been working hard, and uh, I'm ready to go. Manti Teo with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Manti, who's taught you the most about being a pro? Uh, Eric Weddle and Jarrett Johnson. Eric Weddle is a big brother to me. Um, he's now with the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, he's he's definitely a a guy who has taught me what it what it means to be a pro. You know, I was always a hard worker, and then that's that's basically what has brought me um, this far. But um, Eric was that kind of guy to point me into point me down the right road and say, okay, do this or don't do that or. This is this is how how you got to study film. You know, I would I would study hours and hours and hours of film, and he he kind of taught me how to be more efficient with it. And so, you know, definitely Eric Weddle, and then Jarrett Johnson, just that mentality. Um, he 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 brought that that leadership, um, that no nonsense, and uh, that profession the professional approach to to the game. And um, those two guys, I would have to say. Um, really have taught me 
um, the most while I've been in the NFL. Manti Teo with us. For those who are unfamiliar with his size, he's about 6'1". Uh, can we say 240? Is that an okay number right now, this time of yeah. year? Okay, yeah. fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Second-round draft choice uh, for the San Diego Chargers, now the Los Angeles Chargers, obviously. Manti, let me, let me read some of your numbers here, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, uh, 289 tackles, uh, one-and-a-half sack, two interceptions, 11 passes defended. There's a forced fumble in there. There's 14 tackles for loss. And, and also special teams play in uh, 38 games, 34 starts. So lo- I look at that and I say, well, okay, he does everything. <laughs> so is that is yeah. that the best way to describe your game? Yeah, I mean, I, I can do everything. I've, I have the ability to do everything um, because of my work ethic. You know, whatever I'm asked to do, I'm going to make sure that I do the best um, at whatever I'm asked to do. Um, I'm... I love the game. Um, I love the the mental game of more than the just the the, the hoot and holler of it. You know, I, I love I love to to try and figure out what teams are trying to do to my team and try to try to get a step ahead of them. So I just love every aspect of the game. Um, and you 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 throw those numbers out, and those 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 numbers to me just show a, a lot of improvement that needs to be done on my part. Um, in four years, um, and, and that all has to do with me continuing to work hard and just staying on the field. If I can stay on the field, um, good things um, tend to happen. This will be your first time changing NFL teams. Um, what I guess, what is going to be the bigger adjustment, changing cities, changing uniforms, changing defensive coordinators? What do you think it will be, and if you asked about it with anybody? Uh, I think the biggest change, the biggest thing for me is the stuff that's going to happen outside of football, you know, finding a place to live, finding a car to get me from the house to the facility, um, find what places to not go because of traffic. And, you know, that stuff to me is, is, is going to be more of a task than the football aspect. I think when it comes to football, football comes easy to me. Um, not because I'm the most talented, but like, because I said, I, I just, I make sure that at the end of the day, it's going to come easy because I'm going to work at it and I'm going to work hard at it. And so um, as far as the playbook, you know, I, I played in a 3-4 with the Chargers and it's a 4-3 over there. But at the end of the day, it's still an A gap. It's still a B gap. It's still a C gap. I still got to hit the guy with the ball. So um, it's all about see ball, go get ball at the end of the day. And, just learn the different terms, different languages of the defense, and you know, then we just fly around and play football. Well said. Well said. Uh, consider me uh, reaching forward here with my fist for that fist bump that you thought we might have at the end of the conversation because <laughs> it was a pleasure, man. Time. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to meet you in person when you arrive here in New Orleans. Thank you. All the best. Manti Teo with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. 
The future is bright for your New Orleans Pelicans with the addition of all-star DeMarcus Cousins along with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. The time is now to become a Pelican season ticket holder. Those locking in their seats by Friday, March 31st will take advantage of the price freeze and also receive a food and beverage gift card worth up to $600. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night. What's up, Pelican fans? This is Anthony Mackey, a shorter, talented version of Anthony Davis, and you are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Go Pelicans. All right, welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Sean Kelly in Studio B on the telephone with us. Ben Gulliver from SI.com and Sports Illustrated covers the NBA. We enjoyed his uh, visit with us so much last time that we were eager to get him back. Ben, good to have you again, no doubt about that. I hope I hope you're doing well. We're getting down to the crunch here of the NBA season. Are you holding up okay? Oh, I'm great. No, it's countdown mode, though. I mean, the playoffs to me, it's like the best time of year. Uh, we're less than a month out, which is exciting, and we're starting to get to the position where we can almost project some of these matchups or we can at least dream about some of these matchups, uh, start drooling about some of them. Uh, you know, I know one that everybody's talking about because of the the MVP race is potentially you know Rockets uh, Rockets Thunder. You know, if we get that in the first round, uh, I think it's already going to be a win, and, and everything else can just fall wherever it falls, right? All right, yeah. Let's. I'm glad you brought that up because that's where I want to start. I could start a, a, in a number of different ways here, but look, I'm going to see James Harden again tomorrow night in the flesh, and Ben, I need help. I am I am really kind of betwixt and befuddled and everything else about this MVP vote that I'm going to have to make in the coming weeks. And I think that I'm, I'm clear in thinking that Harden and Westbrook are the two uh, top dogs in this, in this hunt. But at the same time, I don't know who to vote for. And I can make an argument for both. Maybe you'll help me lean one way or the other. For me, you know, it is a very tight race. It's the best race we've had in years. Um, you know, I try to handicap these every single year, and usually it's, it's sort of an overwhelming candidate by this point. The fact that you can make, you know, pretty strong arguments for four guys, uh, if you want to throw in Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James as well. Yeah. And also, I mean, I don't think we should forget Kevin Durant. Obviously, he's injured. He's not going to win it. He's not going to get votes. But to me, before the injury, he was right there with these guys. Uh, being in the conversation. So that means five guys are playing at an MVP level this year. Uh, that's fantastic. To me, it's all about the minor tiebreakers. Like, how do you separate these players? Uh, and to me, to me, the, the tiebreakers favor Harden. Uh, they both have unbelievable stats. Uh, you know, they're both playing gigantic roles for their teams. I mean, the entire teams are built around what they can do well. Uh, but there's two things that stand out. You know, number one, uh, Houston's record is better. You know, it's noticeably better. I mean, there's a chance that they're going to win, you know, potentially, you know, eight to 10 more games. That's a big difference. I mean, that puts Houston into that elite contender type conversation, you know, up near the top of the West standings. Uh, and that leaves Oklahoma City, you know, sitting back in a very good category, you know, with teams like Memphis, where, uh, you know, we're not hearing any talk about Memphis's best players as MVP guys. Uh, the other big difference I see is just in the overall offensive efficiency. Uh, of the team uh, you, know, you look at Oklahoma City clearly without Westbrook they would really be up a creek I mean they'd really struggle to score it's possible they would have you know an offense that's down there with like Orlando or Philadelphia you know among the league's worst uh, but even with Westbrook on the court they're not that efficient you know they're not one of the league's best attacks and 
Uh, when I look at the Rockets, I mean, it's kind of a one-man show with Harden in the middle of it. Clearly, they, they built it all around him. They do have some other shooting weapons, obviously, sort of supporting cast members to supplement him. But if you take him away, that offense is going to you know, show a drastic difference. Uh, and right now, Houston's offense is elite. You know, it's right up there with you know, Golden State, you know, who had four all-stars for most of the season. So those are the tiebreakers I see. The overall offensive impact in terms of how well – uh, the Rockets are performing on that end, and then also Houston's record. I mean, I think otherwise, whether it's the triple-doubles, the, the unbelievable 40-point triple-doubles these guys have had, 50-point triple-doubles these guys have put up, uh, all that stuff to me kind of cancels each other out. Uh, and we're at a point where uh, I think Harden's just got a slight edge here as we head into the last month of the season. All your points are fantastic. I'm not so sure I, I know still what I want to do. But that's okay. There's still a little bit of time. Um, you brought up LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, rightfully so. Uh, in the conversation, I think that, that they're the next tier down. Let me ask you this, though, Ben, just a different take on things here. We've had all this conversation. I don't want to delve into this because it's somewhat frustrating, but we've had all this conversation about players resting or missing primetime games because of scheduled rest. Because of that conversation and how loud it's been, will that hurt a guy like LeBron James as far as garnering national votes for MVP? You know, I don't think so. You know, I think the, the best arguments against LeBron right now uh, are that his team is not, like, blowing away the Eastern Conference. You know, they're very, very good this year. They've got a strong record, but it's not this, like, uh, it's not like the Heat at the peak of their powers, right, where they were clearly just running off 20-plus victories straight and, and by far the best team. Uh, I think that holds him back, and I also think their overall defense kind of holds them back, too. I mean, this has not been a team that's been fully locked in all season long, like, kind of the team on a mission to defend its title, as we would, uh, you know, usually assume. Uh, they've really been getting by with their spectacular offense, and LeBron's been right in the middle of it. Uh, but when you're looking to kind of complete the case for him, you know, if his numbers aren't quite as good as Westbrook's and Harden's and his team isn't, you know, well ahead of them in the standings, it gets a little bit trickier to make an argument for him. You know, on that rest point, you know, one, one takeaway I had from Saturday night because I was at that game where, you know, he sat out and, and Kyrie sat out and Kevin Love sat out and it kind of spoiled the Saturday showcase. You know, Doc Rivers said, hey, for those Saturday games, we need to make sure that the teams are resting on Friday and resting on Sunday so it's not a back-to-back so that all the stars can play. You know, one other takeaway I had in addition to that, which I agreed with, was that we can't be asking – Cleveland and Golden State to carry these showcase games every single week. I mean, it almost feels like a round robin. I mean, if you go look at which teams are playing on Saturday night showcases, it's Cleveland, Golden State, San Antonio, and the Clippers. Like some combination of those teams plays pretty much every single game. And that leaves out a ton of star power. Uh, you know, a guy like Harden hasn't played at all on Saturday night this year. The Celtics haven't played on Saturday night with a guy like Isaiah Thomas, who's sort of on the fringe of the MVP conversation. John Wall and the Wizards haven't played on there. Uh, Damian Lillard and the Blazers. And, I mean, it, they couldn't have predicted the Pelicans would have two All-Stars in Anthony Davis and, and DeMarcus Cousins, but those guys have never been on All-Star Saturday night either. And I think Anthony Davis is the kind of guy who, who's going to be able to draw ratings if you put him on a big game. So uh, I think we shouldn't be blaming these star guys for resting every once in a while because they're carrying this huge burden of uh, trying to fill out this television inventory. And I think the NBA would actually – you know, do a service to its stars by protecting them a little bit, by spreading the wealth around uh, for those showcase games among a greater number of teams and exposing fans to some of these stars who don't get the chance to be in those showcase games. I, I think you make an absolutely great point. I do a handful of national games here and there. And, and, and Ben, I've done 
I've done Cleveland several times. I've done, heck, I've done Chicago, I think, three or four times on national broadcast, either the Sunday afternoon game or the Saturday night game. It, 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 it needs, like you said, I think it needs some variety, number one, but it would also, it would also provide some space for these teams to do some of the things that they want to do based on the science they're leaning on. Good, 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 good point. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I haven't really heard anybody else do that as of yet. Ben Golliver with us from SI.com. Ben, let me ask you about the race for eight in the West. Obviously, that's of keen interest here for those listening in New Orleans or that are Pelicans fans catching us wherever they may be. Four out with 11 to play. Uh, Denver and Portland kind of in the driver's seat there. How do you see this thing shaking out? Well, first of all, I think we should give credit to the Pelicans for not pulling up shop. You know, I mean, the start of the season was tough. And everyone kind of arrived at, uh, this playoff picture, you know, by different paths. I mean, some teams start faster, some start slower. Uh, and I would say the same thing actually about the Mavericks too, because they had a really tough, tough uh, early going. Uh, it's nice when teams don't just tank the final month away. I mean, I, I'm looking at the Lakers and the Suns here. I mean, they've got uh, veterans who are resting for more than a month down the stretch of the season. And, you know, for, for ticket payers, you know, that's a real tough pill to swallow where, you know, you, you come into the season or even get off to a good start and think, hey, you know, we might be in this playoff picture. Uh, and it, come to find out the final 10 or 15 home games that you're paying for are just being tossed away by your organization. So I think uh, the fact that they've done what they can to stay relevant, you know, make a big time midseason move uh, in adding to Marcus Cousins, I think those are you know generally positive things. But uh, look, the timing was going to be tight trying to get back into the playoff picture. And they admitted that up front when they made the trade. Uh, Alvin Gentry especially seemed very conservative in terms of, uh, you know, not wanting to raise expectations too high immediately after that trade. Uh, and they're in a situation here where the math is really tough. You know, I look at all these projection systems and, you know, who's got the best playoff odds to make it in. And it, it does seem like it's whittled down uh, to the Nuggets versus the Blazers. who's most likely going to be one of those two teams, um, you know, for the Pelicans, uh, creating any sort of a high note to end the season on, I thought was really important for them. Uh, because they have a big decision this summer with Holiday in terms of can you keep them and how much does it cost. Uh, and then they also, you know, they're kind of improvement mode with the Marcus Cousins too. Uh, this is a guy who uh, went through many different phases in Sacramento in terms of his happiness. I mean, there was times where he was happy. There was times where he was incredibly unhappy. Uh, there was times it, it felt like, you know, he was almost at war with the coaching and the front office, right? Uh, he's a, the kind of person where if you get him in the right environment, if he's comfortable, he can really deliver for you in a big-time way. And uh, eventually they're going to have to make their appeal to try to re-sign him as well. So uh, I think that New Orleans is in a very unusual position in the NBA where even if they miss out on the playoffs, uh, they can still take some you know, moral victories from this, this, this uh, you know, stretch run of the season just because of the circumstances of their roster in terms of trying to keep Holiday and trying to keep Cousins specifically, trying to keep him happy. Uh, so that's sort of how I see that shaking out. If I had to make a pick between the Blazers and the Nuggets, right now I would pick the Blazers. Uh, their schedule is a little bit easier. They have Denver at home, which means they kind of uh, control their own destiny a little bit. Uh, and ultimately, to me, Portland does have slightly more talent than Denver. They just have really underachieved this season, uh, and they've started to kind of get their groove back a little bit here over the last two or three weeks where they're playing better basketball. Damian Lillard's been off the charts uh, since the All-Star break. So I guess my prediction would be Warriors-Blazers first round, Nuggets barely miss out, uh, Pelicans probably fall in line right after them, uh, and then it really becomes this, this question for New Orleans of how does this uh, offseason and summer go 
determining, you know, probably the next two, three, four years of their franchise's course. Yeah, I think that I think you're right on the timing there as far as that goes. Let's stay on that topic just for a moment, Ben. Think about what you wrote um, at the uh, at the jump there on the trade with you know with Sacramento and when the Pelicans acquired Cousins. Think about your opinion in that moment and maybe if it's changed any, if at all, since that time. What would you say? Well, for sure, uh, what I wouldn't change is my opinion that Sacramento did not get a good return. Uh, you know, when we look at Cousins, I mean, it was clear there was going to be trade discussions around him years before that trade finally happened, right? And so we have to hold them uh, accountable for all the decisions that they made in Sacramento prior to the, the decision to ultimately trade him, right? So there was multiple other opportunities for them. Uh, to, to really put Cousins out there, to be honest with him and say, hey, we want to go a different direction, to conduct themselves with a little bit more, uh, you know, whether you want to call it integrity or honesty or, or whatever. Uh, and that would have produced, I think, a better return than what they got. I'm just not the world's biggest Buddy Heald fan. I think he's got potential, obviously, as a young guy. Uh, but I don't think that that's the centerpiece guy for uh, this type of a trade. I mean, they had to have done better. So, even though Cousins might have struggled a little bit in, in New Orleans, his offense maybe isn't super efficient when he's on the court uh, since the trade. Uh, nothing that's happened in New Orleans has made me thought, uh, has made me rethink, you know, my analysis of the Kings side of it. I mean, I think they're really up a creek. When you look at sort of the bleakest uh, franchises going forward the next five years, I think Brooklyn's number one, and to me, Sacramento's number two because uh, they're young core guys right now that they're trying to move on uh, with after Cousins lacks really anything resembling a star player. Uh, they're going to potentially have two lottery picks this year, which will definitely help. Um, but they, they struggle to even get guys to go work out for them in the draft. They've struggled in free agency to attract big talent. Uh, and they're going to be in a situation where they're going to be very young. They're going to be very inexperienced. Uh, and they don't have a ton of upside. Uh, to me, that signals a lot of losses. And uh, if you were trying to trade Cousins after being so stubborn and waiting for so long not doing it, uh, you would hope that that trade wouldn't sink you down straight to the bottom of the standings. And I kind of fear for them that's what's going to happen. Wow. Uh, in terms of the New Orleans side, I mean, there were definite fit questions. Uh, you, you, there was always this kind of concern that if you put two bigs together and build your whole franchise around them and nobody else in the NBA is really pursuing that model, uh, that it could be a tricky fit, number one, and that it could take some time, number two. There's been flashes. I mean, Cousins has had some games where he's just been off the charts. You know, Davis has had some games where he's been off the charts since that trade. Uh, I still don't think that we've seen the best that they can play together at the same time. Uh, and they have been together now for a month. So maybe that's a little bit of a cause for concern here where uh, you're wondering what's the, the end game? You know, what's the, the ceiling here offensively? How good can they be on the court at the same time? Uh, and it's tricky. You know, I'm not sure that they have the answer for that. I'm not sure anybody has the answer for that right now because they're trying to, you know, really zig where the entire rest of the league is zagging uh, in terms of playing smaller lineups and, and going away from having two bigs. Uh, I think, you know, if you're in New Orleans, though, given the circumstances of this past season and also given what they gave up to get them, you do this trade 10 times out of 10. You don't regret the move. You don't look back on it. And you spend all of your mental energy this summer brainstorming ways to make this partnership work as well as it possibly can. Uh, and I think one other thing that's nice about it, you know, Davis has had his issues with injuries, you know, going back years. Cousins is excellent injury protection. You know, if you can fill out the rest of the rotation this summer a little bit, you know, get a couple other guys where 
the roster's not as quite as thin as it's been in recent years, that gives you a nice buffer against, you know, whether Anthony Davis misses five games. That's not going to be an 0-5 stretch. You know, now you've got Cousins where you can really highlight him uh, and, and kind of carry you through that, and vice versa. You know, if Cousins misses time, you've got Davis to kind of cover as well. So I think they need to go forward with this idea that always one of those two guys is going to be on the court throughout the entire game. You want to stagger their minutes. That gives you an advantage against second-unit teams because you've got you know an all-star type player you know beating up on backups, uh, and then I think uh, you're going to want to add as much shooting as possible. And obviously, that's just easier said than done. Uh, but to me, that's still a weakness of this roster is they've got to have guys who can spread out around the big guys to make their lives a little bit easier. Um, you know, if I'm New Orleans though, I mean I, I would enter next season assuming that they can keep Holiday uh, with the mentality that they should be a playoff team. You know, if you look at their talent stacked up against the other teams uh, who are in this mix, you know, Dallas should be falling off. Um, Portland's going to be capped out and have a hard time improving. Uh, Minnesota definitely is on the upswing, uh, but they've still got questions, and, and Levine's been injured. You know, Sacramento, Phoenix, and, and the Lakers, you know, barring some crazy offseason move, you know, I don't see them being a factor. Uh, you know, Denver is going to have to potentially make some decisions on some of its veterans. If you're the Pelicans, I mean, your mentality should be we're definitely in the playoffs next year because we've got two all-stars. And I think that's a better position that they were at than 12 months ago. And for that reason, I would say, uh, you know, the, the trade should still be viewed as a success, uh, even if there's been some hiccups and some bumps in the road here in the first month. Nice to tie it up with a nice bow there. Good job. Ben Golliver with us here from Sports Illustrated and SI.com. Uh, ben, outstanding stuff today. Uh, I probably kept you longer than I promised I would, and I apologize for that, but – um, it was all so good. I didn't want to stop. <laughs> so I'll at least tell folks to make sure they check out what you just – and you alluded to, a, I think, a, a number of the things that you've been writing about, but you just wrote recently about the rebuilding teams. It's fascinating, and I know you're loading up here for the stretch run, and I appreciate your time stopping with us here today for a few moments. Oh, my pleasure. I mean, the Pelicans are a fascinating team. I mean, you guys are kind of right in the middle of things down there, and that's good. So uh, thanks for having me. It was great chatting, and uh, hope to do it again soon. I hope so, too. Perhaps before the playoffs start, when we get that clear, clear picture. And uh, I know Pelicans fans will hope that they're involved. It would take uh, some help, as you mentioned, but we'll see. Stay tuned, as they say. Ben Golliver with us, again, from Sports Illustrated and SI.com. It's family night. You take the wife and kids to a new hibachi restaurant. The flames go up. Your wife's eyebrows get singed off. And Junior leaves with a black eye, thanks to a projectile shrimp. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans, facing off against the Chicago Bulls Sunday, April 2nd, with free mini basketballs for the first 3,000 kids. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report.
As always, big thanks to our guest today on the Black and Blue Report, Manti Teo Bengaliver from SI.com. Two great conversations today, one on football, obviously one on basketball. A lot of basketball conversation tonight. Daniel Salerson's your host for the Alvin Gentry Show, 7 until 8 Central on the flagship station of the New Orleans Pelicans Radio Network. That's 99.5 FM, 99.5 FM WRNO, full hour of Pelicans basketball. I'm not so sure I know whether or not Daniel's taking calls tonight. I'm sure he'll offer, uh, and you're welcome to participate. But I do know this. Uh, we'll visit with Alvin Gentry uh, from the team plane today before the team hits the ground in Houston. Daniel will have that inf- uh, that interview on tape for you tonight. Uh, David Wesley stops by the Black and Blue, uh, the Alvin Gentry show, not the Black and Blue Report. David Wesley stops by. He's got lots to say about what's going on during these uh, next 11 games. And uh, we'll hear also, I think, a little bit of your visit that you heard just moments ago with Ben Golliver and more. Oh, one more thing. Ah, yes. If you haven't seen it yet, you'll be treated to a a little trash-talking session tonight between Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. Um, You may be aware, you may not be, Kentucky plays UCLA tomorrow night for the uh, chance to go to the Elite Eight in the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. So, there's a little talk going on in that locker room, and uh, we attached microphones to the Bruin and the Wildcat and uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, strangely enough, Boogie Cousins, also a Kentucky guy, is trying to stay out of that conversation at the moment. <laughs> we'll see what it's like tomorrow, uh, perhaps a shoot-around uh, before the game against Houston uh, between Cousins and, and Holiday, of course. That'll do it for us here on this uh, Thursday. Thanks again for making us a part of yours, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Black and Blue Reports. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.